the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared. Here's Patricia Raskin with Positive Living on the leader in Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. It's always an honor and pleasure to be with you each week. And particularly on Voice America, because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. We are here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And you can call us if you're, if you're listening live today on Monday at 888-335-5204. And we have a wonderful expert on with us today. We're talking about relationships and we're talking about what happens when they don't go well and specifically when good men don't behave well. My guest is Dr. David Wexler, Ph.D. He's the author of When Good Men Behave Badly, which was just published in 2004. He was on the Dr. Phil show in January, and it's a wonderful book, and it's called, again, When Good Men Behave Badly, Change Your Behavior and Change Your Relationship. Dr. Wexler is the founder and executive director of the Relationship Training Institute in San Diego, which is an organization designed to help relationships in conflict. Welcome, Dr. Wexler. Thank you very much, Patricia. Okay. Um, You have, you've done some research on why men are physiologically predisposed to having problems. Why is that? Well, um, this is not my research directly, but it's research that I've been involved with and, I'm, and I know very well. Uh, we don't know exactly uh, how to answer the question of why that's true, but we do know we're getting a better handle on the how that's true. One thing that, um, that the research has shown is that typically when men are involved in an interpersonal conflict situation in a relationship. Uh, their nervous system, as you would expect, becomes aroused, they become tense, they become upset. That's the way it's supposed to be when you're, when you're in a conflict. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that men's arousal system, uh, the arousal in their system goes up higher and seems to last longer than it typically does for women. Now, you might find some men who will argue just the opposite, that their wives are up, you know, stay upset for months at a time. But in general, it's a fairly typical pattern. In fact, I saw this in a couple of my office just this morning where they were saying that, uh, the man was saying that when he gets upset, when there's an argument, his day is ruined. It goes on, or, and, and the next day is ruined too, and he therefore really wants to avoid it. His wife said, you know, I get upset, I get it out, and it's over. Men really get tortured by the, the upset levels, and that's one reason why men really end up avoiding, trying to avoid those levels of conflicts. Mm. So there really is a major difference between the way men and women handle conflict. There is a, a difference. Um, the good news, of course, about us being uh, human and humans and having uh, a lot of advanced mental capabilities is we can often overcome the, you know, what the evolutionary wiring says, uh, whether that has to do with issues of, you know, men's predisposition to infidelity and all sorts of other things. Mm-hmm. We're capable of. Of, of overcoming that, but there is a certain way in which men are are uh, wired to be more of the uh, you know, problem solvers. Women are wired to be more of nurturers. It's just that is built in at a at a brain level, and it does explain some of the conflicts that go on in relationships. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you write about, one of your points, is that women are mirrors for men, and men often base their self-image on how they think their partners perceive them. Talk about that. Yeah, I see that as being so central in understanding relationships, and in particular where men go, 
get off track in a relationship. The, the dirty little secret for a lot of, that a lot of men experience that I don't think women always understand is how sensitized men are to the view that uh, the key woman in their life has of them. And one way to understand this at a psychological level is what's called the, the mirror concept or the broken mirror. Mm-hmm. And with the mirror, it, it basically means that when we observe the behavior of somebody who's really important to us, like somebody we're in love with, that person's response has a huge governing effect on our sense of well-being and our self-image and our sense of self-esteem. I mean, a very basic example of this would be a man walks in at the end of his day, comes into his house, and his wife or his kids uh, turn to him and say, oh, hi, it's so nice to see you, let me give you a kiss, or how was your day, or something to that effect. It doesn't have to be anything dramatic. That trends, that's a mirroring that says, you're needed, you're valuable, people notice that you are gone, people are happy to see you. Mm-hmm. It's a sign of, I'm a good guy, I have something going for me. In contrast, he walks in and the wife and kids are not attentive to him or don't even, hardly even notice that he's come in or the first thing that he hears is some sort of criticism. That's what's called a broken mirror. And men are very sensitized to that. It's as if they're being told, you are inadequate, you are not fulfilling your duties, you're not a good man or you're not attractive, and uh, when men experience that, right, fairly or unfairly, when they get that kind of message, mm-hmm. uh, they do not handle it well. Well, and that goes to the next point you talk about, which is that men will suffer from something called shame phobia. Right. Yeah. Um, we know that uh, men have a lot of um, attachment to being perceived a certain way in a certain way that conforms to their own idea of how a man should how a man should be viewed or what a man should be like. And any times when something takes place that, again, whether it's rational or irrational, still if the, if the man feels that it's uh, that there's a statement that somehow he is inadequate or he's falling short in some way. Many men are very, very vulnerable to this and so sensitive to it that we call it actually shamophobia, like a, mm-hmm. a, a real phobia about the possibility of being shamed. And we know from research that the more uh, shame that a boy experiences growing up, particularly with his own father, that's what some of the research has indicated, mm-hmm. it's as if he develops this hypersensitive radar to the possibility of being shamed in the future. And if you think of uh, the situations in which an adult man is most likely to feel shamed, it has to do with the person with whom he feels most mm-hmm. vulnerable. And in a, and that's and, so if somebody really has that shamophobia, David, what are, what are some of the, are those the men that have the affairs? Are those the men that are unfaithful? Are those the men that can't admit that there are problems? I mean, what's the, what's the aftermath of that? What's the result? Well, the number one result is uh, the more of this shamophobia you have, and, the less, and if you don't understand it real well, mm-hmm. you're likely to blame someone else for the bad feelings inside of you. And that's really the cornerstone of a lot of what I call good men behaving badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as, you know, if, if, in, if in my marriage something happens with my wife where I feel uh, that she's put me down in some way or I feel rejected in some way, uh, if I'm not on top of it, I'll feel shamed, I'll feel bad about myself, and I'll want to get away from that feeling by turning against her. Somehow blaming the mirror for breaking, blaming, blaming her for uh, making me feel bad. And well, and so then they especially need love and affection, so do they sometimes then go to another woman? Yes. Because they feel like, oh, well, you can't give it to me, and it's your fault, so now I'm going to find a woman who thinks I'm perfect. Right. If, you, if you're really hungry for this positive mirroring, and you feel like you're not getting it at, the, at home or where you feel like you should be getting it, you can, it's very easy to convince yourself, I deserve to get this elsewhere. And for most most of us, you know, where better to get that than from the rush of a, another relationship or, you know, a sexual charge or something. Let me ask you this. And so let's say that happens. How successful are those relationships when they're on the rebound or when they are as a reaction? Are they usually successful or usually fraught with problems? Well, I think we're talking about a couple of different categories here. One is, Somebody who's married and has, uh, you know, has an affair with somebody else, those relationships usually don't go very far because of the structure of, of things. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about, like, uh, a man or woman for that matter, who becomes, uh, who leaves their partner 
and decides to start up with somebody else whom they've had an affair with, mm-hmm. um, I, I can, I've seen it go both ways. I've, sometimes I've seen that in, in, they, they, somebody's found a better partner for themselves and it works out okay. What's most typical, though, is that uh, as they discover, as they get to know each other better, they find out that the excitement or the, the appeal of that relationship was not because this other person was so fantastic. It was because they were trying to run from a situation they hadn't really resolved in the mm-hmm. first place. And mm-hmm. it's impossible to compare uh, the excitement of, you know, shacking up in a hotel room with somebody else on a, for an occasional, you know, a night out or something mm-hmm. compared to the everyday grind of, of, of everyday life. Those two things uh, are not comparable, and, uh, and often uh, the new relationship can't sustain the reality of everyday life. Mm-hmm. After a period of time. After a period of time, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to take a break. We are talking to Dr. David Wexler, who is the author of the new book, When Good Men Behave Badly. And when we come back, you're welcome to call us. We would love to hear from you with your questions at 888-335-5204. Positive Living is here on voiceamerica.com on Mondays, 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern. So, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Information you need, when you need it, VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time to Voice America for True Life in God with Betsy Serafin. On the show, Betsy will talk about the importance of having God in your life, as well as discuss how God is calling Christians to come together in the heart. So make it a point to tune in to True Life in God every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In today's world, it's hard to find the truth with anything. Is there such a thing as the truth? Where and how can I find it? Will someone just give it to me straight? Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific with Mario Verdad, an exciting new show that will give it to you straight every time and tackle the truth behind everything from political issues and crimes to vocational and career counseling. So log on and tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is Dr. Pat Basile, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And I'm always happy to be part of Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. You can call us on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific at 888-335-5204. We are talking about relationships, and my guest is Dr. David Wexler. His new book is When Good Men Behave Badly. Dr. Wexler was a recent guest on the Dr. Phil show, and he's been on there 
more than once, and Dr. Phil has said that this is an excellent book that everyone should read. And Dr. Wex was the founder and executive director of the Relationship Training Institute in San Diego, an organization designed to help relationships in conflict. Welcome back, Dr. Wex. Thank you very much. All right, let's, um, let's keep talking about why good men behave badly. Now, what, another thing that you say in your book is that men will often cede power to women in ways that are unhealthy and unwelcome. By letting women control the emotional thermostat of the relationship, men vacate their power to control their own moods and burden women the responsibility of maintaining their self-image and emotional stability. Yes. Uh, well, this gets back to the broken mirror concept we were just talking about before the break. Uh, men offer a certain kind of psychological or emotional power to the women in their lives. And for the most part, this is a kind of power that women do not seek, are not happy to be uh, afflicted with, and is not something that they are trying to use against the man in their life. They sort of feel burdened by it. I can't tell you how many women I've talked to who say, I just wish he weren't, that I didn't have to watch what I say so carefully mm-hmm. around him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he's, he's so sensitized to what I say or how I view him, mm-hmm. it just feels like too much. I don't want to be that, have that much power mm-hmm. or, or affect him that mm-hmm. much. But, um, for a lot of men, uh, they are very, uh, vigilant, uh, about what kind of response they're getting from well, this woman? Well, and let me ask you this. Let me let me take this one step further. Sure. So now let's say the man vacates their power, the woman controls because that's what they the man wants them to do. Then, if the relationship breaks up, the man then turns around and blames the woman that she controlled. Do you hear that? I hear that a lot, and and it's funny because if you only observe one tiny slice of that whole sequence you can sort of see, well, it kind of makes sense. You know, the guy right. says, like, like I'll often hear a man say, well, you know, I would feel so much better or our relationship would be so much better if you stopped criticizing me or if you wanted to have more sex with me or if something else. And it, to a certain extent, that's true. The guy would feel better if she stopped criticizing me or if she wanted to have more sex or the other, whatever his complaint is. But what's missing from that is some understanding of how we got to that point in the first mm-hmm. place. I mean, why is she being critical? I mean, a lot of those times it's because he's behaving like he's drinking too much or he's behaving in certain ways that any reasonable person would be critical of. But what about the real problems of alcohol addiction, drug addiction, sex addiction, narcissism, um, um, bipolar? I mean, what about those deep problems? Well, there's several things on that list you just mentioned that are somewhat different, um, simply in the sense of the the level of personal control that an individual has. Uh, Bipolar disorder, for instance, is just something that's very difficult uh, for someone to manage, but obviously can have an impact on the relationship. But some of the behaviors that we would consider to be more uh, in the broad category of addiction or um, impulse disorder type behaviors, like Mm -hmm. gambling, sex, uh, Mm -hmm. spending money, alcohol and drugs, uh, these are things that uh, just that they usually represent what we call a, a gap in the sense of self. In other words, right. um, an individual is feeling like there's something missing in their lives, and they're not able to take care of that something missing feeling in the, the, the kind of uh, the ordinary ways that most other people are able to do it, just by their family and their work and watching their football games and mm. and you know, and riding a bicycle and various other things and listening to their music and the other things that, for the most part, help people lead meaningful lives. Instead, they feel like they have to fill that hole, fill that gap by turning to something else. And when, uh, and, and they develop, uh, a certain, a certain kind of psychological or in some cases physiological addiction. Like you feel like the only way I can really feel uh, excited in my life or feel like there's uh, my life has some uh, that I'm that I'm going to take care of some of the bad feelings is by hitting the bottle or gambling or so or or flirting or having affairs mm-hmm. that's um, that the 
the ultimate solution, well, I'm not saying it's easy, but the solution is to find ways to um, feel fulfilled that do not generate the same kind of destructive effects on an individual relationship. And these things are possible, but sometimes uh, it's not quite that easy to just turn the switch on and off. Okay. Um, you have some surveys in your book, don't you, that, that people can take Correct. to tell. Talk about those. Well, there's a, you know, a lot of the different themes that uh, I talk about in the book that I work on with people in the counseling or therapy environment. Uh, there, are, there are ways that people can try to keep track of uh, some of the different information. For instance, with men, I ask them to keep track of experiences that they have when they have what, what this broken mirror experience, when they feel somehow hurt or unimportant or powerless or frustrated. Uh, I want them to note what the situation was that led to that, what it felt like inside, and what they ended up doing about it. Because once you, you gather that kind of information, then you are truly more powerful. And I want men, well, I want everybody, but particularly with my target population of men, I want men to feel really powerful, not powerful over someone else, but truly powerful in their own lives. I want it to be that when they hit some bump in the road in their relationship, that bump does not determine how they're going to react. It does not determine that they're going to have an affair or start drinking or becoming defensive or aggressive or emotionally withdrawn. I want the man to be in charge of how he reacts to that situation and keeping track of the sequence of, of, of uh, like broken mirror experiences is an example of that. Another one is what I call twinship experiences. And twinship basically means the awareness that, that we and the people uh, around us are basically in the same, we're in the same club, we're in the same clan, we're part of the same group so that uh, like a classic situation of a young couple who has a, has a baby and they suddenly uh, the guy starts feeling emotionally and sexually and intentionally deprived mm-hmm. and he tells himself, she, you know, my wife, you know, has turned against me and this child is threatening our relationship and all this stuff. Instead, what we wanted to say is we're both in this together. We made a decision together to have a child. She's also feeling stressed out by the demands of having a child, just as I am. She also is missing some of the, the, the exclusivity of our you know, romantic relationship and mm-hmm. our things we could do. We're in this together. It's not like she's taken something from me. We're both experiencing this. And that different kind of self-talk absolutely can determine the, the emotions and eventual behaviors that somebody's going to... So in other words, if this person cannot do that, and can really only blame the other person, it's not going to work. You've got to have a person who's willing to see the other side. Yes, and again and again and again, what I emphasize with people is the importance of the self-talk or what I call the narrative or the story you're telling yourself. Because if you tell yourself a certain story that uh, my wife doesn't love me anymore or she's selfish or she doesn't care about me, once you've got that story locked into place, well, then you can pretty easily justify rationalize mm-hmm. various kinds of retaliatory exactly. behaviors, including having an affair. Yeah. That would be an example of that. Yeah. Or just being kind of uh, critical or, or demanding with her. Mm-hmm. But if, you tell your, if you're able to legitimately and sincerely um, activate another kind of story in your mind to help explain what's going on, then that leads to a different set of emotions and behaviors. And where I really find that... Um, helping to examine and challenge that story is one of the places that uh, we have the, we can make the most inroads to these kinds of situations. Okay, except for one thing. Why should they even see both sides when they can feel better blaming and being with someone else? Well, yeah, short term, that's true. I mean, it's all, it, it, would, it, would, it takes too much work to change the story or to work on the relationship. It's, mm-hmm. it's easier short term to get a fix somewhere else, whatever that right. fix might, might be. Okay. Uh, but but, uh, but you're term, saying at some point you pay the price, huh? At some point you pay the price. And the rewards, uh, for most men I think who, who are, it turned out to be uh, pretty successful at the, at the world of relationships, uh, the rewards are astronomical. The rewards of uh, having a richer, deeper, more open relationship uh, mm-hmm. 
and if you know, I mean, I talk to a lot of men who say uh, having sex with the same woman for 20 years or something turned out to be a much better thrill than having sex with 20 different women over the same year. It's just there's something about the richness and depth of a longer-term relationship that um, that's, can be very compelling, and, and there's a lot out there. Mm. What is the number one problem that you hear about that seems to be very uh, common that you can help people overcome? Is it criticism? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's, sometimes we get locked into talking about the most dramatic problems, you know, like domestic violence or uh, blatant infidelities and things like that or severe alcoholism. But it's more the everyday stuff, I think, that, uh, that, that people face that can do damage in a relationship, like being, uh, being critical or, and being defensive in some way. That's one of the things I see men doing in particular that, that really gets in the way. A classic sequence that takes place is uh, a woman will bring up something that is bothering her. And she might bring it up in the perfect way, like, gee, honey, there's something I need to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Or it might not be that perfect. It might be, you know, how come you never help me with the housework around here? Mm-hmm. And um, many men automatically go into defense mode. Mm-hmm. They hear this as a nasty attack on their character, and they respond as if somebody, they've just gotten fired from their job, their, or their wife has just run off with another guy, or some other major assault. And they, are, they do not stop to try to really take in what it is that this other person is upset or concerned about and try to open up some sort of a communication or dialogue about it, but instead automatically go, the wall goes up. Do you find it's hard for men to accept therapy, that it's easier for women, and how do wives get their husbands to go? Yeah, the... Um, I'd say I don't have any hard data on this, but I know from my own experience, I would say that 90% of the couples that I see, this is woman-initiated. And Mm -hmm. the guy either is there under threat of divorce, or sometimes he says, you know, there's plenty of men who said, you know, I think that's a good idea, even though he didn't come up with with it, Mm -hmm. and others who are kind of reluctantly along for the ride. Uh, In general, the the, uh, tips, I think, for, for women for how to help initiate counseling either for the man himself, like he, if he has an anger problem, for instance, or for, uh, for the couple, is uh, you want to find ways to approach him that make this as non-threatening an experience as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for one thing, you want to give him some choice in the matter. You want to say, you know what, there's several different uh, therapists I've heard about who are good. Some are male, some are female. What do you think would you be the most comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Rather than just saying, you're, we're going to see this guy or this woman. So, you know, you want to offer some his participation uh, in the process. You also want to make it clear you're not asking for some, you know, five-year commitment of going every week to some shrink's office. Mm-hmm. Say, I want you to give this a try. This is, this is something that uh, I know, I, I think can be helpful, uh, and we won't know until we try it. But if you, uh, once you try it for a few sessions, if it doesn't work, uh, you know, we'll drop it. Uh, but I want you at least to give it a shot. Another thing is to appeal to his sense of uh, almost like a sense of chivalry or honor. It would, a woman can say to a guy, it would really mean a lot to me, and I know that you care a lot about how I feel and what, what's important to me. It would, this would really be meaningful to me uh, if we could do it. You don't have to want to do it yourself, but it's something that I would want you to do just as a favor to me. Uh, Anything that can be used as um, to help increase the likelihood of him actually getting in the door to this mm. session um, will make a difference. Will make a difference. All right, we're going to have to take a break. Okay. I got so excited that we actually went over in time. Okay. My guest is Dr. David Wexler, author of When, author of when Men, Good Men Behave Badly. Uh, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. 
Today, more and more student-athletes are bypassing college and heading straight to the pros. Matt Bush, Freddie Adu, LeBron James. Discuss the benefits and pitfalls of going pro on the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks provides straightforward, no-nonsense talk about the current and sometimes controversial topics facing student-athletes and their parents today. Agents want to make money. Schools want the publicity. The Sport Mavericks wants what's best for you. So whether you or your child is thinking about bypassing college or looking for the best university to showcase their talents, listen to the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks, smart talk for parents and athletes. Hi, I'm Jennifer Lewis, and you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Uh, possible? Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And remember, our program is always on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And it's always on wonderfulvoiceamerica.com, America's Voice. My guest is Dr. David Wexler. He's the author of the new book, When Good Men Behave Badly. He's been on the Dr. Phil Show. Dr. Wexler is the founder and executive director of the Relationship Training Institute in San Diego, an organization designed to help relationships in conflict. Welcome back, David. Thank you very much. All right. We're talking more about uh, what we can do and, and women talking to their husbands or their significant others about getting into therapy. What else is it that you think we should know, women should know and men should know to prevent good men behaving badly and for them to change their behavior? Well, there's a few things I think that um, we got to keep in mind before we even try to answer that question. One is there is such a thing as uh, what I call bad men behaving badly. Uh, you know, all of the work that I do, the book that I've written, and this kind of, these kinds of interviews are about understanding fundamentally good guys who get messed up in relationships in some way. But some men are just not safe to be in a relationship with, emotionally or sometimes even physically safe. And I would say the same about certain women. That there's such a thing as bad women behaving badly. So mm. there's certain men I think it's just not, uh, it's not productive for a woman to spend uh, her years trying to change him into mm-hmm. somebody who is going to be a good partner for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, uh, even with the fundamentally good guys who are out there, it's ultimately not a woman's job to bring out these better qualities or to turn him around. That's ultimately his job. Mm-hmm. And a woman can do can set the table and try to offer the best possible setting, but ultimately it's his. But, so even with those qualifiers, the main things I think that uh, the women can do to help bring these things out is, one, to offer what uh, 
psychologist John Gottman has done all this research about what he calls softened startups. And basically what that means is that it's important that women be aware of this broken mirror experience so that if there's something that is a complaint or a concern or a correction that she wants to offer, it's really helpful for her to find a way to present that in a way that sends the following message. I love you. I respect you. I think you're a great guy, and I think we had a great marriage, and I'm not going anywhere. Now that we've got that out of the way, there's a few things I want to, I want you to change, I want you to work on. Because as long as he knows that the fundamental, there's not a fundamental threat in her complaint, many men can handle that. They can go into problem-solving mode and really try to be a good guy. As soon as they hear threat, they're in trouble. So a, a very simple version of this would be a woman is upset because her husband's not helping out with housework enough. The harsh startup would be, how come you're never helping me around here? I'm left to do everything by myself. You're so selfish. Mm-hmm. Okay. A softened startup would be, you know, I'm really feeling overwhelmed with how things are going around the house and keeping up with everything. Let's sit down together and figure out a plan so that we can pull this off together in a better way. Now, I can't guarantee a guy's going to jump right up and, and be perfect in that second response, but I can, guarantee, I can tell you it's much more likely that he will not hear that as a threat and that he'll be able to engage in a true uh, dialogue or problem-solving or uh, looking at himself, as the case may be. So the softened startup is one tip, I think, to help set the stage. Another is what I call realistic expectations. I've seen a number of relationships really uh, fail or at least uh, be in trouble in some way because the woman had a certain expectation about the kind of deep soulmate-type connection she was going to be able to have with this man. And there are a lot of men, and this comes as no surprise to our listeners, a lot of men who are not that interested or in some cases just not that capable of engaging in deep uh, relationship processing of the range of feelings that a lot of women are more prone to, to do. This does not mean he's a bad guy. There, there can be, he can be a guy who's a very good partner for her, who's a very loyal, reliable person, who's attractive, who's successful, who's a good father, who, is a, who cares about her, and, and all sorts of wonderful things. It's just that the whole, this whole deep search, a, a deep processing of the relationship, that may not be where he's at. And part of the advice for women in that situation is to seek some of those needs elsewhere, not in ways that would be threatening to the marriage mm-hmm. like with another man, but, but plenty of women have girlfriends and sisters and coworkers and people who they talk very deeply with, uh, and the fact that they are not able to also do that with the man in their life is not, should not be a kiss of death for the, for the relationship. Uh, as long as there's plenty other good enough stuff in that relationship, uh, that, that's, uh, that can be okay. And so, so, and is it healthy to do everything with your partner? Is it best to have outside interests on your own? Well, it's it's always good to diversify in some ways and have other interests and other people. I think it's great if you can the kinds of conversations we're talking about. Some couples are able to do that together, and they're they're blessed with the ability to do that. And I think that's wonderful. All I'm talking about is not make that a prerequisite of. Uh, or, or the major criterion of whether or not the relationship's in good shape. That's not, that's not essential. And, uh, and, you know, following your point, the relationships I think that are most successful are ones that, where the people are close, they're connected, and they're very loyal and attached. But they got plenty of, they got, they have a life. They have, they have other interests, they, you know, either through work or other interests. They've got, they have other friends, they have other people they talk to, they have, there's certain ways in which they're not compatible. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as that's in the moderate zone, uh, that's a very healthy combination. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one more general uh, guideline I, that I try to offer to women in these situations is to really activate what we call uh, repair mechanisms or keeping things on the right track in a relationship. And I'm continuously impressed by how creative most couples are at defusing moments of tension or arguments in a relationship, uh, sometimes by humor, sometimes by uh, communicating what I call the I still love you uh, uh, message. 
I still love you can be communicated, like if you're arguing with your partner and there's this icy moment where you're not speaking to each other and you get up to the kitchen and get yourself a cup of coffee or a piece of pizza or a glass of water and you bring one for him or for her. That's a, that's a peace offering. That's saying, you know what, we're hassling, but, um, but, but, I'm still, but I still love you. I'm still doing all the normal things. Or reaching over and just giving a little physical touch just to say, you know, like right now, we're kind of ticked off at each other, but um, but that doesn't change the biggest factor, which is we're still attached. We love each other. It'll blow over by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's one kind of repair mechanism. Another is by using some humor just to lighten things up. And self-deprecating humor is usually the best. I have one guy who told me this story where he and his, he and his wife got in this big argument on the way to a party where she was uh, trying to tell him a something about the directions there, and he just blew up at her and acted like a real ass in terms of responding to her. Mm-hmm. And they get to the party. There's a thick tension between the two of them, and the person greeted them and says, Hi, how are the two of you doing? And he says, We were doing fine until I acted, such, until I acted like such an idiot on the road. Mm-hmm. And she burst out laughing, and he burst out and laughing. It worked. It worked. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Dr. David Wexler. He's the author of the book, When Good Men Behave Badly. Uh, change your behavior, change your relationship. He's recently been on the Dr. Phil Show. He's the founder and executive director of the Relationship Training Institute in San Diego. And the website, um, the website is rtiprojects.com, rtiprojects.com. Folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity. Right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Connecting your world, the Internet's number one talk and information station, voiceamerica.com. How can you have a better life on your terms? You can have a better life because you can become better. Stop waiting for everything around you to change. Tune in every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Voice America for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. David Martin, an internationally recognized speaker, will teach you what successful people are doing. So join us Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for Life on Your Terms with David Martin. Right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back, and you are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. As I always say, I'm happy to be right on Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I. That's why I'm here. Positive Living brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. There's still time to call in. 888-335-5204. My guest is Dr. David Wexler, author of When When Good Men Behave Badly, recently on the Dr. Phil Show. And Dr. Wexler is the founder and executive director of the Relationship Training Institute in San Diego, and his website is rtiprojects.com. 
Welcome back, Dr. Wixman. Thank you very much, Patricia. All right, let's talk about um, the men who behave badly. Um, what are the root causes of that? You know, how how does this all start? And are there ways to prevent it? Mothers listening to the show, can they raise their, their boys differently? Well, uh, to a certain extent, the answer is yes. Uh, we know that uh, there are certain factors in our society that uh, boys grow up with that increase the likelihood of them having some of these difficulties in their adult relationships. One we talked about earlier on the show, which is the shame issue. And we, the research tells us that boys who feel shame and uh, like they're falling short on a consistent basis with their fathers in particular, develop some of this that shameophobia thing that we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. We also know that boys grow up with what is referred to as the boy code, and that's a term that was coined by another author, William Pollock, in his book, Real Boys. And the boy code is one that, um, in my experience, every boy on every playground of America, in every Little League team, in every Boy Scout troop, in every classroom, uh, he knows the boy code. It's just not written down anywhere. It's not like the Ten Commandments or anything like that that we've seen, we see in writing. But it says boys should uh, be strong. They shouldn't cry. They shouldn't uh, uh, express uh, a range of feelings. They shouldn't act like they care very much. Um, they should make sure that nobody else has gained some sort of a power position over them. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, or maybe in, in summary, they should not act in any way that might look or sound like a girl. This is a sin. This is why boys get, get taunted for, you know, you're gay, you're a faggot, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you're, you know, you're, you throw like a girl, you're acting like a girl. All of the reason somebody gets teased for, you know, the, the gay issue is because that's somehow seen as being, you're not a real boy or a real man, you must be gay, or, you, or in some cases you must be a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, you know, those are the worst words that a, a boy growing up can hear because it really attacks this, uh, this, uh, the boy code. And when you have boys who grow up with these kinds of pressures, they, um, what it, what it, it shapes us to not be, um, be comfortable identifying or expressing feelings that in some way appear non-masculine. You know, anger is a very masculine feeling. You feel powerful when you're angry. Um, but feeling hurt, that's not masculine. Feeling self-doubting, feeling anxious, feeling frustrated, feeling powerless, feeling rejected, mm-hmm. those, I mean, they should be masculine. I'm saying, you know, but they are experienced as being unmasculine, and we as boys and later as men, we screen those things out. And when we start to feel them, it takes us back to uh, to the days when we thought we were violating the boy code, and that's just... That, that feels unbearable and unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And as, as men, we feel like we need to do something to shut so, those feelings out. So what can mom and, moms and dads do at a young age? Well, some of them are so painfully obvious that hardly, uh, I should hardly even mention them, but I'll say them anyway. Uh, the modeling process is really crucial. Uh, you want, if you're a father, you want to model for your boy and for your, uh, for your daughter as well uh, that, uh, men can have a range of different kinds of behavior and still be real men. You know, men can cry. Mm-hmm. Men can talk about their worries and their self-doubts. They can talk about times in their life when they really were, didn't know if they were going to be successful at something. Uh, they can uh, in, they can create um, you know, create a, a model that says a, a lot. Of, there's a lot of different things that are possible to feel as a as a boy or man, and for a woman to be attracted to, even if it doesn't conform to the standard macho idea mm-hmm. of what manhood is. Another thing that both uh, you know, mothers and fathers can create is what we call a shame-free zone in the household. It is a tough world for kids growing up in terms of their interpersonal relationships. There are, every day at school and any other environment they're in is, is full of shaming or shame potential situations. You get teased about your shoes. You get teased about being being fat. You get teased about being skinny. You get teased about being saying something stupid in class. You get teased about being too smart in class. Everywhere, there's shame everywhere. Home should be a shame-free sanctuary where uh, 
That doesn't mean you don't get corrected if you screw up. I mean, you, you need to have consequences for behavior, but not shame. You, you should never hear that you are really stupid or that's a dumb idea or, um, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Those those are shaming types of messages, and one place in this kid's life should be shame-free. Now, some parents take the attitude of, well, I don't want to create a shame-free zone because that's not the real world. I, I don't believe in that at all. I think mm-hmm. as many of those shame-free zones as we can create. Um, and not just with our kids, with our spouses and relationships in general. That's correct. In general. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. If people get one thing out of this program on when good men behave badly, change your behavior, change your relationship, what would you like them to get, David? The main thing I want uh, people to get is that they're, that, that uh, men often get tripped up in relationships, and just, even if they do this, they can still be a fundamentally good man. Uh, and I want men to recognize that uh, the how sensitive they are to this mirroring experience from their relationships that uh, I want them to, to know that when they're having a certain bad feeling, even a little bad feeling in a relationship, it's not necessarily because somebody was purposely trying to do this to him, to them, or because somebody's failed them. Sometimes it's just because that's the way it is in relationships, or it's because he may be particularly sensitive to that. I want men to understand that, and I want the women who are in relationships uh, with with men to really recognize that uh, the same process, that this, the guy who sometimes withdraws or sometimes gets critical, there's a fundamentally good guy in there, and we can, uh, we can help bring out a better guy. Thank you so much for coming on the program, Dr. Wexler. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Stay on the line if you can. Okay. And the website, your website again, is rtiprojects.com. Correct. And people can find out about your training. Thank you. Next week, we're going to talk to T. Harv Ecker, who is president of Peak Potentials Training and author of the New York Times bestselling book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, Mastering the Inner Game of Wealth. He will discuss how to replace unconscious limiting attitudes with thoughts, habits, and actions that lead to wealth. You can log on to MillionaireMindBook.com. Next week is Memorial Day. We won't be on live. We're pre-recording the show, so we'll have that for you for next Monday. Um, just want to thank you all for, that I'm here each week on Voice America. I really believe in positive living. I've been on with them for three years and eight years on my show, Locally Positive Living. And if you'd like to get a hold of me or my work, RaskinResources.com, you can listen to the archive shows that are on my site, and you can get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living. And until next time, as I say, it's, it's just wonderful to be able to bring you such great guests who can help you live the kind of lives that you want to live. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great day. David? You've been listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com.